We look at this partnership with Invivo really as the gold standard for us because it's, first of all, two professionals who know what they're doing. They are in charge, they're the bosses, it's their company, it's been their money, they've invested their time, their personal assets. Um, it's the sort of sweat equity that is like impossible to oversell. Um, but they've never fallen short of the things they're gonna do. I try to, so what it means to me is this is the way I should be in business. You can't always, that doesn't necessarily always, but it makes me want ever more so to be as certain. Um, it just speaks to the work that they've done and, and that I've been allowed to um, kind of be alongside them, shoulder to shoulder, certainly in spirit, but also try to be somebody they can count on in a room with a retail partner, with distributors, with a customer, certainly. That's part I understand more quickly. That's how success happens. From Entrepreneur Magazine, my name is Robert Tuckman. I self-funded, built up, and eventually sold two businesses to major players in the sports and entertainment industry. And I am fascinated by other entrepreneurial minds and what drives high-achieving people. So on this podcast, we're going to learn what they've learned and what it takes to really succeed. Sarah Jessica Parker is a renowned actress and also what many might not know is that she is also an accomplished entrepreneur. As an actress, she is best known for her iconic role as Carrie Bradshaw in the hit TV series, Sex in the City. In addition to her successful acting career, Parker ventured into the wine industry, partnering with Invivo Wines to create her own collection, Invivo X SJP. It's not only good, but one of the fastest selling wines in the world. The multi-Emmy and Golden Globe Award-winning actress also established a presence in the fashion industry with her own line of clothing and accessories, SJP by Sarah Jessica Parker. I had a chance to sit down with her in person, actually my first live taping of a podcast in over two years, which made it even more exciting. I started out by asking Sarah about that drive and about what it was like growing up in Ohio. Um, I think part, part of a desire to, I guess, cultivate a relationship with work that is real and serious is partly due in part, I would think, to just being a ballet dancer for a lot of years from a very early, appropriately early age. I think probably a lot of your listeners know that ballet is, um, it's a discipline that requires a unique discipline. And if you're serious about it and you want to pursue it, and it's, it's something that you feel is a meaningful effort, then you have to really be serious about it. And it demands it of you. And I think simultaneously working in the theater has a very similar kind of culture around it. Nobody's doing anything for you. You're not no one's handing you water or making sure there's a chair for you to sit in or putting your makeup on for you. You are responsible. No one picks you up to get to work. You are responsible to get yourself to rehearsals, to the theater on time, to put your own makeup on, to take care of your costume, to treat people with respect and dignity. And I think 
after I had been an actor for so long and had, had assumed that kind of relationship with my work as an actor, when I started having opportunities outside being an actor, it was too embedded in me to approach work mm. any, in any way that was different. And I think specific, and you know this, having built businesses, that what you were really reliant on in business, of course, is money and funding and financing. What you're really reliant on is the person, is a, a group of people. So you need your consumers, you need clients, you need a group of people that will work with you and help fulfill all your promising. And I need customers in a shoe business. I need in a wine business, we need a consumer. So how are we communicating with our consumer? How are we creating a kind of intimacy with our customer, consumer, with our retail partners, with our distributors, with the factories in Italy, with, 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 with you know? So I think I'm on the floor because that's where I should be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a business owner and it's got my name on it. And I am... I feel honor bound by it. It doesn't mean I get to be in the store as much. And lately I just have not been in the store at all because I've been working on so many other things that are taking the time that I would typically spend. But it's amazing to be in the store. I mean, who didn't grow up with a pretend cash register? <laughs> yeah, I you know, so and, and a pretend like kind of serious job. And I think if you've spent any time in retail in a really nice store where it feels old fashioned and a boutique that is a neighborhood thing and people take time to wrap things up and talk to you and look you in the eye, it's very hard not to try to mimic that. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, just in terms of customer service and mm -hmm. relationships. And mm -hmm. what would you say taking from starting so young as an actress and remembering back? And I think I could have sworn I know I saw Annie and it was around 1979. <laughs> yeah, 19, that's when I was playing Annie. Which is, yeah. a, my parents took me to two shows and I grew up in Westchester. But anyway. Where in Westchester? I grew up in Edgemont. It's like Edgemont, in between I don't know. Scarsdale and Yonkers. Okay. Okay. And yeah. And grew up there and, uh, you know, my- What other show? Do you remember what other show Greece. you saw? Oh, <laughs> wow. So you were right in the heart of 1979, 1980. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. And that, that, that's thinking about it, but back. So it may have been the first time I actually was in a room with you. But, you know, I do want to ask, and you mentioned it from- being a ballerina to being an actor, mm -hmm. what do you take or, or what would you say are very similar when you look at being an actor, a ballerina, that is similar to being this entrepreneur now? I think hard work. You know, I think the what strikes me most about the things that I think are missing sometimes is that the desire to work hard, you know, because I have to believe and I see it in the people around me who work really hard, the way you have more opportunity, the way you become not an authority, but the way you gain position, the way leadership seems within reach is doing the stuff in the beginning that isn't on paper fun, pleasant, financially rewarding, but what comes of it, I always describe it, it's like scar tissue. It, like it all builds up. If you are willing to break down boxes and lick envelopes and collate documents and listen and be willing to throw your hand out to be helpful, even if it's outside your job description, you are going to learn a whole business. If you are 
quiet and listen to people who have, it's what I did with Tim and Rob, it's what I still do, then you are going to be that much closer to being the boss. So I think acting and being an entrepreneur, running a business are not dissimilar in that it requires hard work. Like there's no shortcuts. It may seem in the world with social media that there are a lot of shortcuts. And every now and then there is the sort of outlier where someone just jumps to the head of the line. But the reality of that is that the best way to be the boss is to be willing to work hard. And often that means you're not paid as much as you would like to be, should be. And it's not because someone's withholding. It's just because that's entry-level stuff and that's what you do. And I don't, if I, if that had been taken away from me, I would not be owning a business now. And I don't think I could be in partnership with two serious people. I don't think I would be deserving or be given the opportunities they give me to be a part of the conversation, to be called a collaborator and have it be meaningful, never mind financially, personally, you know? And I think that's the thing I really want to try to stress to younger people is don't look at the hard work as punishment. Look at it as the beginning of reward. It's so true. And nowadays you see that just in terms of what you said. People think that all of a sudden Lululemon's all over the place. (laughs) Warby Parker, some of the people I've interviewed and you know, Lululemon was going to go bankrupt five times. Yeah. Exactly what you not just even said. that long ago. Not, like, not that long ago, which is amazing. And you you think about that, and you think about everyone sees just all the stores and thinks it's easy street. And with yourself, not. yeah, and with and with and yourself. it's hard, and it's disappointing, and you stay up at night, and you lose employees, and there's a pandemic. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of obstacles that get thrown in your way, and it's very often that you think like, I, this is bananas. Why do I keep doing this? But there's, there is this other underlying, more important experience that's happening, but it is hard. And I think Lululemon's a great example. Like that is a staple item for, I don't even know how many millions of women, but if anyone wants to read the story, it's a really interesting trajectory, that business. And they hung in there, they kept going back and finding funding and financing and they were people reimagined them and it's hard. And, but everybody inside, I guarantee you is better for having learned where they were, where they needed to be, what, what was the gulf in between and who do you bring in and how do you get help and how do you get there early and turn the lights on? And if if you want to be in, if you want to be the boss, you got to learn it. Yeah. Talking about interesting stories, let, let's talk about in vivo <laughs> and how you got involved because you get a call from an agent. Peter. <laughs> Peter Hess at CAA. <laughs> yeah. And there's two guys from New Zealand yeah. who want to talk to you. And what are you thinking? Because knowing coming from CAA personally and, and having been there, there's so many opportunities that are just thrown and yeah. I'm sure agents sometimes they won't, they'll hold back like because there's so much, but what was it about in vivo and that, was it a a background in wine? Was it? No, I don't have any background in wine and I will sort of jump ahead and say that eventually sooner than later, and maybe Tim remembers the timing. 
I realized that I was already an, an Invivo customer because in Ireland, it's, you know, you buy your wine at, we don't do this in New York, but you buy your wine at the grocery store. Yeah. New Jersey, I think you do. And so our grocery store in Ireland is a place called Super Value and they have been stocking Invivo wines and we had been buying it for years. And we'd been buying Graham Norton's Invivo, hmm. one of his reds. I didn't realize or remember that at first, but I think what happened was Peter called. I thought, this is crazy. I don't know anything about wine. I'm really this, I'm out of my depth. And I don't know if it was Peter or Tim and Rob convinced me, you know, let's have another conversation. And they came to New York. I'm trying to do the, the briefest abbreviated version. They came to New York. We talked about wines that I liked. I was very honest that I felt especially ill-equipped to be considering a Sauvignon Blanc. Like that was a wine I never ordered. I always handed the menu to somebody else when, if that's the, what, what you mm -hmm. wanted, if yeah. that's the grape, don't ask me for help. So I thought I can maybe order a Chardonnay, <laughs> maybe a Burgundy, like <laughs> maybe a, like a Cabernet, a Pinot Noir. Like I could, but a Sauvignon Blanc seemed like complex to me. And of course they're from New Zealand and it's the Marlboro region. Like where else, what else would we do? So I felt scared and ill-equipped and I didn't even know if I really liked Sauvignon. I wasn't sure, but they, they were smart in that they said, no, yes, you can learn. Yes, we'll teach you. And don't think of the grape as that rigid and that limiting. Like there's, we can mess with this a little bit. It doesn't have to be as architectural as you think it is, or as minerally or as this mm -hmm. or that. And it has far more flexibility and we can still honor the grape and it can fit into the, what is the definition of this wine and people's expectations. But it's not, let's have fun with it. Let's be disruptive. It was more so, you know, what room do we have here? And luckily I'm working with Rob, who's just a hugely gifted winemaker and has traveled the globe doing this and has such a um, kind of confidence and courage about messing with the grape. And he did things differently with our Sauvignon Blanc that I don't know had ever been done to my knowledge. I mean, every time he talks about it, it's a little bit like he broke some rules. And so that's how it came to be. And it's just been amazing. I mean, it's, we've grown so much. And I think the thing that's been important to me is I really want to keep up with Invivo. Invivo is growing, 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 growing. And I don't want to be the weak link in the house, you know? I want to keep up with the parents and with my siblings. And they've been so smart about the ways in which we should attempt to do that. And, and we've made it a personal mission to be constantly, as much as we can, as much as time allows, in touch with retail partners, really in touch with distributors, talking to stores, talking to the buyers, trying to get meet the customer. If we can't do it in person, you know very well, because this is kind of part of your business previous is like, how do you meet the customer? How do you create an experience? You know, Instagram live has been really good for us that I can get on with someone like Marianne and have a 30 minute conversation and tons of people can join it's super intimate and we're all sipping. And <laughs> I can now do that for a store in where like Ireland, I can do it for a store in the Netherlands or Scandinavia. Like I can now reach out it's in amazing. ways in UK. So that's been great. And that's the ways in which we just keep trying to make those connections. Yeah, I want to talk about your brand, but I also want to talk about In Vivo because Tim and Rob, from the story, mm -hmm. you know, just in, in, and you can tell it quickly that mm -hmm. these guys 
started, I think, in 08 or 09. Yeah. And they had to crowdfund. They yeah. had to. I think I, Marianne just said correctly. It's the it's the most it's the largest, most successful crowdfunded it, winery gotta, in the Southern Hemisphere. It, it's got to be. It's uh, such a clever way to. Also, what I love about the story, and yes, these are two very industrious young men, very young at the time still young um, and <laughs> experience there ancient. But uh, I think the idea that kind of experience, that that idea of crowdfunding speaks to the ways in which they've approached being winemakers. And I think that appealed to me because I was so afraid, like, I don't know anything about wine and wine is for the rarefied. Wine is for you can only be in that business if you've been around and you're the fourth, fifth, sixth generation of a family that's been producing wine, making wine, growing right. grapes. Like the menu is like, oh, you know, how do you order? You're having a lamb chop. Then you're going to, uh, which glass did I order? But what they did with the crowdfunding is saying, no, it, let's be democratic about this. Let's kind of create a, a community around this, but also let's make beautiful wine at a new price point. Is it the cheapest wine in the grocery store? Absolutely not. Or at your local wine cellars, it's not going to be, but it's very affordable. And what comes at that price point is incredible. It's delicious. And so they keep trying to find ways in to offer a very serious bottle of wine, fun, delicious, understandable, and affordable for a whole new consumer who's pretty smart now, by the way, you know, they're, they know a lot in the old days, consumers, <laughs> you were true. given something. And if, unless you were really choosing to dive deep and, you know, read consumers digest and things yeah. like now we have all the information, they have it all. So they've just been really smart. So yeah, they started in 2008, right. And then produced and we're going door to door then as Tim would say, they'd sell two bottles to a local wine place and they'd come back and they'd bring them two more. I think they were, did you guys win that first? You described that first yeah, time Tim, you Tim really Sears won. To jump, yeah, jump for, on to pull in. your chair up. Sorry. Tell the quick story of the first time that you guys were in competition. Yeah, so we won the world's best Savion Blanc back in 2011 and kind of gave us some credibility for what we're doing apart oh, from fast. selling from store to store. Um, Rob is a great winemaker, and we had and suddenly people are going, what are these guys are about asking questions and things? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. And I want to talk about Sarah Jessica's brand, right? So how did you guys come up with Invivo X, right, SJP? What was... That was Tim's idea. <laughs> totally Tim. Tim is marketing. Someone's very honest marketing. here. <laughs> it was all Tim. You know, Tim is... I think if, if people had access to Tim here in this country, they would gobble him up and poach him <laughs> because he is a true, he understands marketing. Those ideas were all his. And he came with some beautiful, he had a host of op op possibilities for the, for the label. Yeah, but I think you can when we more. sit down with SJ, we, um, you know, there's a lot of landscape Labels, there's a lot of hills yeah, sure. and rivers and mountains and they do their job and we probably don't need another one in the wine industry. We were thinking, you know, sort of that New York landscape or skyline for, for the wine label, but that's not really wine and, mm -hmm. and we are searching from around New Zealand and the vineyards and things. So we sat down in an afternoon here in New York with her and I presented some ideas and we noticed that um, SJ signed every email and everything on Instagram with uh, an X and a comma. Um, and obviously the collaboration symbol is an X as well. So we, we had this X on the label, 
which we had designed in New Zealand, but SJ took it to another level and said, why don't I paint it? And then why don't I paint it with my pinky finger? <laughs> Love it. And went and brought some paint from the local store and then gave me the bit of paper and then we had to replicate that in New Zealand onto the label. So there's quite a few layers of the plate, uh, printing plates. And we've got yeah, eight, so eight layers to make it Here it is. Look. I don't know if you've touched this <laughs> Yeah, I have. I have amazing, definitely seen it. Because this is when the details came It's so cool. It's raised, so they literally had to keep getting it until it was actually, it's the scale of layers of paint that it would have been on my finger. Like they had the actual piece of paper with all of the weight of each part of the stroke, every part of it, including this mistake, which is where it must have run out. My guess is yeah. it started here because you see how deep the color is, went down. And by the time I was here, it was probably gone from the tip for here. Anyway, yeah. th that's the way they've paid uh, attention. And I, I love it because, you know, it's so interesting with that label and how important it is. And, and Tim, you being a marketer, and knowing that we had about 10 bottles last night, we had, we had a lot of people over in our fridge. Yep. And I, this here, I was actually going to even take a picture and bring it. You can see it. It's, 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 and that's yeah. so important as you, I'm sure, are going through to retailers and, and buyers and, and your, your distributors. It's the first thing they see. Oh, what, oh wow. What is this? Yeah. And it seems like, Tim, were you surprised just how involved SJ was? Like, did you, what, what did you think you were getting into? <laughs> I wasn't surprised um, from the first meeting. And when Rob and I sat down here in New York and we opened a bottle and a glass and we spoke for a few hours about what we wanted to do. From that meeting, we knew we had our person. We knew she was going to be involved more than just a name. We knew, you know, the blending sessions, but also... You know, working on the label. We didn't even have a brand to show her at that time about the collaboration or the wine. We hadn't made it yet, obviously. So, and we wanted someone to help us with our business and offer ideas as well, um, which she does, um, which is great. So it's, yeah, she's super involved in all areas of the business. And, you know, last week we were in the UK meeting customers, a whole day of meeting customers and, and trade and things. So um, it's, it's awesome. Oh, when SJ is talking about going out to retailers and buyers and meeting with these people and distributors yeah. yep. and traveling. We do you know. it a couple times a year, at least. It's been something we've been doing more so frequently and it all depends on our schedules. And I think we try to do a lot before I leave because I have to go work for a while. So we try to get as much in, but I think it's been hugely beneficial to really be meeting our real buyers. I'm talking about our big buyers and also trying to forge relationships to get new accounts. We've had a bunch of new accounts lately that I were like, Delta. Delta Airlines wow. is on board. American Airlines is on board. Nice. Um, so we're already in the air with that's them incredible. now. You open a menu in first class how, and there it is. How cool is that? It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> and the cool thing about those getting these tenders is it's tested wine. So there's no favors. There was 1,300 wines. Top sixteen of all those wines, so there's no sort of like yes, or, and they wouldn't because you know and they're I mean, only somewhat like the product. It's it's there. It's on its own. It's yeah. standing. It's really exciting. Yeah. yeah. More from our guest, but first a word from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Emily Washkovic, Yelp small business expert and host of the podcast Behind the Review. We're back for season two, and this time we're keeping everything you love and adding so much more. Get ready to find out what happens behind the scenes at those businesses that everyone raves about. You know the ones. 
Learn how owners swallow their pride when getting critical feedback and what they do to turn around that unhappy customer. And don't forget the reviewers. We'll find out what inspires them to leave those rants or raves in the first place. Get ready for buzzy new guests like restaurants from Yelp's famed top 100 lists and new short BizBite episodes. Just a few minutes of advice on how to set your business up for success and create connections with customers, both online and off. Subscribe, like, and follow the show to hear new episodes every Thursday. And we're back. Talk to me because I read, I believe, that your brand is the second fastest growing Sauvignon Blanc in $15 up category the in the U.S. Now. It's the fastest, it's the fastest <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. changed from last week. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, data coming through. So, yeah, which is, you know, it's been up a few now. So we've done a lot of groundwork. We've gone around the country. We've met this. this we will keep, well, we will keep working. So it's hard yards, but now you can see the sort of the fruits of the labor. It's, so am- <laughs> it's amazing. Sarah Jessica, how does that make you feel? Like when you, because you jumped into this not even believing or knowing you were the right fit. Or it makes me feel like I got very lucky. We've all had, I can't speak for you, we've all had experiences that were promising and partnerships didn't work out. People couldn't deliver. They overpromised. They underdelivered. I feel as if I look at, and my colleague Alyssa, we look at this partnership with Invivo really as a gold standard for us because it's, first of all, two professionals who know what they're doing. They are in charge. They're the bosses. It's their company. It's been their money. They've invested their time, their personal assets. It's the sort of sweat equity that is like impossible to oversell, but they've never fallen short of the things they're going to do. I try to, so what it means to me is this is the way I should be in business. You can't always, that doesn't necessarily always, but it makes me want ever more so to be as certain. It just speaks to the work that they've done and that I've been allowed to kind of be alongside them shoulder to shoulder, certainly in spirit, but also try to be somebody they can count on in a room with a retail partner, with distributors, with a customer, certainly. That's part I understand more quickly. But to sit in a room as we did last week in the UK and we just met, I mean, retail partner. I mean, we're talking about buyers of like thousands and thousands and tens and multiple tens of thousands of cases where we're saying like, count on us. We're going to be there for you. But I have to listen and learn. So it means a huge amount that we can grow like that. But it's, it just hasn't been easy. Like it's, this is every single day for them. I pop in and out. I do everything they ask, hopefully, but this is their full time job, like 24 hours a day. And the growth doesn't mean you can sit back. In fact, my guess is the growth creates more work. More demand, more supply of grapes. So we're going to work that out as well. Yeah. More energy, I'm sure for you, but you know, that's what I loved about Tim, your story with Rob and starting in that difficult time during the financial crisis <laughs> and you telling me, you know, as we, we talked prior, just delivering those six bottles, you know, to the, like, the, and now, you know, and, and I even know, you know, knowing the business buyers are tough and like, it's a hard business and SJ putting in the time and like doing these meetings, there's, there's not a lot of people 
let's just say, who've had your success in other areas who would do that. And I really think, to your credit, seeing these two guys come from nothing on their own crowdfund, it's a lot easier to know, like you're smart enough to understand, like if someone's going to hustle, they're going to do that. These guys are going to be winners. And it looks like, I mean, just from everything that you've done together. It's pretty cool also to see people, how they respond to them now. I mean, it's been five years, so you can see they are not freshmen in this I mean, they weren't when I met them, to be honest, but maybe I don't know if they hadn't, I hadn't been witness to them spending more time here and just being in the trade part of the business, which is everything in a lot of ways to get you to the customer. You need the trade to support you. And, um, you know, it's like watching two men kind of grow up. They're not, they're not freshmen anymore. You know, they're, I think they have real bona fides and I think it's, it must feel really good actually. It's, it's, we're getting a lot of credibility from the trade. In the early days when another company trying to launch into the US, mm. uh, you know, the, the buyers kind of roll their eyes a bit, but we've proved ourselves. Um, and, you know, we're invited here at Wine Spectator, Wine Experience. Um, it's a big the wines, deal. The wine's, you know, 93 points. It's, you know, one of the best scoring Savion blocks for the year. So all that stuff kind of helps with the brand and, and, and just build what we're trying to do. Can you explain the, the, the scoring? Because I saw this brand, Sarah Jessica's brand was, I think it's always hit nine. How, do, how does it work? So we submit the wines to the various publications and um, they have a wine taster for New Zealand who's you know, tasted New Zealand forever. So they know this stuff, obviously. And they'll get you know, a thousand wines from one country, more. So they have to rate them every year. So again, it's all blind tasting. So they don't really know the brand at all what they're tasting. Then they give you a score. So hmm. and you can you explain the score to somebody maybe listening? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, so know I know a football score. Like, but give me ninety <laughs> is gold. Ninety plus is like gold medal, outstanding, rare wine. Wow. Um, anything above ninety is off the charts. <laughs> so the ninety three that we got is phenomenal. So, uh, yeah, so, at, so anything below 90 is still really good wine. I mean, that's sort of silver medal sort of stuff, but gold, gold medal plus. Is, uh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I know we don't have too much time left, but, you know, I, I do want to ask, where do you see yourselves together? You have one brand that's, that's yours. You have, he's got many you, others. Because they have their own label. They have Graham's label. You have, do you have private label you do? No, no, no just, just no. the three. Okay. Yeah. But that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. How do you see together, though, and, and continuing? And, SJ, do you see yourself even getting more involved? Do you have the time? I mean, you're your mom. You're an actress. I mean, yeah, you're, I mean, you know, I will be as involved as stores. they want us want yeah. me to be. I think the things that we've talked about are, and the things we're hearing from our retail partners and, and our distributors is, you, have, you guys have to keep growing. That's the way you shore up your base with the existing customer. That's what I have interpreted. So we'll have a new grape coming soon. I'm really excited. (laughs) Um, We have a new wine coming soon. We have a rosé. And then we'll start having those conversations about what's the smartest, most efficient, most strategic, but smart way to grow. And I think for me, that's the thing I think of. You know, this is not a celebrity brand. I understand that I'm a public person and that would be an easy way to characterize this business, but it really isn't. It's a serious business. And like, I look at Graham's wine 
I don't think of it as a celebrity brand because the wine is great. So yeah. yes, his name is there and he is, I guess, a public person, but it's more so he's a producer now. So I'm hoping that ours can be thought of in the same and way. And also for your brand, it, it's <clears throat> like you said, the scoring system, it, it doesn't matter who the person is who, who put it out. And you know, I've interviewed folks, real big celebrities that have come out with tequilas and other brands and and, you know, after a while that that wears off. Right. Mm -hmm. But now with what you've done and, and amazed to think about the fastest growing Sauvignon Blanc in the U.S. I mean, you understand this isn't just a let me throw my name on a label. And and, and lastly, am I, I to I, describe the growth properly? Did I get yeah, that no, what look, you would uh, want yeah, for, for we've us? We've just been building it, building a really strong foundation. So not from zero to two million cases in the first six months. And then dropping off and people forget about it. Yeah. Year on year, the brand is just growing really consistency. Nice, great retailers coming on board, getting it in there, showing that this, this can move. Yeah. This can move off the shelf. How, how just, you know, I, I, I want to ask you because how hard was it in, because you launched in 19, right? That's right. Yeah. You're, first. Yeah, 2019. Yeah. yeah. End of 2019. So how hard was it? You know, we didn't even talk about like logistic wise, like during COVID and like, cause launching a brand during that time yeah. is like, we got you know, not ideal. We, we were, we met and we did our first blending in 2019. Yes. Yeah. And in the winter was our first seven out really crazy big winter snowstorm. And so we got that out, right? Yeah. So we, so blending yeah. to anyone's listening, you're tasting eight, to 10 different samples from across the Marlborough region in New Zealand. They all taste a little bit different because it's different weather or different soils or whatever. So we taste those and we'll say to SJ, well, which ones do you like? And she'll, I like this one, I don't like this one because of that. So in mid-July sort of July 2019, we worked on the blend, signed it off, and then we managed to get it over here by kind of October. Um, so it turns around pretty quick, and that's when we launched it. Yeah. And that was before the, um, that was before COVID. So we did have some little honeymoon and then our next we got to do two no one and then we did we get to do a rose before covid too yes, we did okay yeah. and then we did three in a row that were virtual which was very mm. hard and i won't bore your listeners and we'll it's for another <laughs> podcast Just like how hard it is to do over zoom because the measurements are so critical okay. so i have a beaker They've got a beaker in New Zealand. First of all, it's like 8 a.m. and they're drinking wine. Even earlier. It's too <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's like um, most people here in the States yeah. anyway. <laughs> um, but we figured it out and we got through it and we've, we're back in person blending now, which is obviously just way, way better. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I, I can see the excitement. I can see a great team. And, you know, Sarah, Jessica, before I, I let you go, I want to ask you one question in terms of being a female entrepreneur and jumping into all of these businesses. We have a lot of listeners who are, there's a lot of entrepreneurs, but there's also a lot of listeners who they're sitting in corporate America. They don't want to take that job. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Any, any advice just that you can give from that standpoint of being this entrepreneur and, and going for it? And, and what would you say to some of those folks? I would say try to find a companion. I think what everyone always says is like, dream big, go for it. 
But I don't know that that's the reality for a lot of people. I think some people are holding down two jobs and still yeah. have this idea for a business that's probably very possibly a great business. But you you do need funding. And not everybody feels confident maxing out their credit cards because they don't know what's around the corner, and especially an economy that's yeah. trying to correct itself and recover. So I sort of think, and it's what I did when I started a shoe business, is I found a partner. I didn't feel confident trying to do it on my own mm. the way that I wanted to do it. And I think the only other thing I can say, and Tim Boy could speak far better to this, is try to stick to what you feel instinctually is the thing. You will get a lot of advice and maybe somebody wants it to be more familiar to them. But what makes an idea most compelling to a consumer or an audience or financial partners is something that feels singular and fresh and your own. So try to find some support and try to stick, honestly, like a great book to read. And I know this is like not easy, but it's the Walter Isaacson, Steve Jobs biography, sorry, that I think is Great book. Kind of incredible. And the only one other thing I would say is the Molly Shannon's memoir that came out last year is a really great example of somebody who was different, who just had an instinct about what they could do. And it was not easy. And she didn't have money and she didn't come from money, but she had an idea about the way she wanted to be in the world as an actor and a performer and a comedian. And I think it's like a blueprint for sticking to what you believe is right for you. Yeah. And, and lastly, thank you for, for both of you coming on, you know, just, just in terms of from acting to business, what I've noticed on a couple hundred of these episodes with some really incredible people, entrepreneurs, and I'm wondering what you both feel. It, it seems to me like a, a one of the biggest things is just being able to pick yourself off the mat because now everything looks great. You're the fastest selling, yeah. you know, but like, I am sure there are times you were sitting there and like, is this going to work? And yeah. you're sitting there with, we've got a crowdfund. Like, you know, is, is that a big part of success is being able to continue to move on after those setbacks? Yeah, look, we, we've been knocked back a lot of the years. <laughs> but the ability to just keep soldiering on, moving forward. We have confidence in our ability. The crowdfund, we went around the whole country presenting to anyone that would listen to us. So we couldn't fail. We had to make it work. And then with the wine as well, with you know, Rob's experience in winemaking across Europe and everything, you know, we, he knew he could make a bloody good wine, <laughs> and he has. So, um, yeah, look, we'll just keep moving forward. Every time we get knocked back, we'll, okay, fair enough, but we'll keep going. Yeah. Well, thank you both for giving me your time and coming thank on how, su yeah, how success happens really nice conversation. totally and well appreciated. And I know just from seeing this and seeing here today that in vivo and all the brands you create, <laughs> I just, there's some good things coming down, but it's all <laughs> from, you. you know, you go back five years with your brand yeah. and 2008 and it, yeah. it's not overnight but uh you definitely have something here uh <laughs> for sure so best thank of luck you. thank going you forward. thank you so much thank for you. having yeah. us yeah. till next time till next time yeah. when we talk about some other brand that you created that yeah, okay. becomes number one uh, our next you know, grape our next chardonnay grape. i don't our know next so we'll figure it out thank you, <laughs> thank you. thanks so much thanks have a great evening 
And that's our episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to How Success Happens wherever you get your podcasts. We come out with a new episode every Wednesday morning, and you don't want to miss it. And if you like to share, please feel free to pass along the show to an entrepreneur friend who could use a boost, and I could always use the subscribers. And do you have ideas for guests? I always love to hear about great entrepreneurs. If you know anyone, shoot me an email at hsh at entrepreneur.com or on Twitter at Robert Tuckman. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-T-U-C-H-M-A-N. Or even send me a message on LinkedIn. How Success Happens is a production of Entrepreneur Media. Be sure to visit entrepreneur.com for insight on building your business. Or even better yet, subscribe to our magazine. No joke, I found my first job after reading about a company in Entrepreneur Magazine back in the 1990s. It's always been my absolute favorite magazine for entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening and spending some time with me today. Until next time, my name is Robert Tuckman, just a fellow entrepreneur and your host. See you soon.